0: (laughs) welcome back to nbs cast i'm the host with the most rachel and i am so excited to share today's episode with you It's the one I wait for every year since we started this podcast. It is time for Frightcast 2022. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, and I always looked forward to sharing our associates' scary stories and other little Halloween tidbits here during the show. And I will not disappoint you this year. I have lots of great stories to share that have been submitted by our listeners. So let's just jump right in and get into the stories. Our first story here comes from Molly LeFevres, who is a creative copywriter. Several years ago, I lived alone in an old apartment building. The front door to my apartment was on the interior of the building, and to access my door, you had to enter the lobby through a heavy door and then go up two flights of stairs passing several other apartments on the way. My bedroom was next to the front door, and my bedroom wall was the only wall in my apartment that neighbored another unit. One night, I was sitting in my bedroom when I heard a cat meowing loudly I didn't think too much about it because the walls were thin, so I assumed that my neighbor had gotten a cat. I then went out to the living room to watch TV. About three hours later, around midnight, I turned off the TV. I immediately noticed that I could still hear the cat meowing, but now it was even louder. This didn't make any sense because usually I could hear my neighbor from the living room. I followed the sound and quickly realized that it was coming from directly outside my door. A million questions rushed over me. How did a cat get in? Why did this cat pass up several? other apartments and choose to sit in front of mine. Why has the cat been out there for so many hours? Then I remembered a story I had read on Facebook years ago about a man sitting outside of a single woman's home playing a recording of a crying baby to lure the woman out of her home. Side note, I totally remember that story and it is absolutely terrifying. Back to the story. Terror washed over me and I knew that opening that door wasn't an option. I found the heaviest object that I could move by myself, my dresser, and pushed it in front of the door to protect myself from a possible intruder. I laid down to go to sleep, but I tossed and turned for at least an hour. That cat was still meowing outside my door when I finally fell asleep. The next morning, the meowing had stopped and there was no trace of a cat or of anything else outside my door. I never found out what had actually happened, but that day I bought myself a home security system. Okay, that is terrifying, for one. Definitely made some smart decisions, Molly, so kudos to you for taking care of yourself and not putting yourself at risk. I think one of two things could have happened here. Number one, it totally could have been an intruder who was trying to lure you out, and if it was, Boy, I hope that person was caught very quickly so no one had to suffer. Other option, option two, is ghost cat. (laughs) I know there's nothing that supports that theory, but you never know. I might go with ghost cat on this one. Our next submission comes from Linda Hansen, who is a manager on our proposal writing team. And this story is really interesting. She titles it A Panhandle Ghost Story in Honor of Roger Welsh. So Roger Welsh was a Nebraska folklorist who died last month at the age of 85. So can't wait to hear this story. Uh, and she also puts in a caveat, this is a true story. Once upon a time, like 20 years ago, my mom, Bobby, worked for several years as the evening cook in a nursing home just around the block from her home in a small town in the Nebraska Panhandle. Local rumors said the nursing home was haunted not by an elderly person as you might expect, but by the ghost of a little girl. Lots of spooky stories circulated among people who worked there. The kitchen Bobby worked in was a right turn and down a short hall from the service elevator. It was built to accommodate a larger resident population as well as a daycare center. The kitchen area included a staff lunchroom, storage shelves, and a preparation area, and a corner room for the dish station. To the left of the service elevator was an old, unused storage area, the former morgue. Ooh, okay, that already sounds creepy. (laughs) Back when the building was new, this room occasionally served as a temporary morgue while officials were called into town or arrangements were made. It had not been used as a morgue for decades. And when that ghostly girl found that Bobby knew a ghost when she saw one and wasn't afraid, she really came out to play. For example, Bobby might be helping the only other kitchen worker on shift finish the dishes while the plates on the shelf Forty feet away in the other room would slide off the edge. Dishes lined up on a counter ready for the evening's plate up would jump out of line with no person nearby. Freight elevator would be called to another floor when no one had gone near it or the doors would open when Bobby walked past. Lights in the basement might turn on and off randomly. Staff regularly heard footsteps as the girl ran or skipped up and down the hallway. Once Bobby's assistant even saw the girl in the hallway giggling in a pink dress. Eventually, Bobby did a little research and found the girl's story. She had been killed one day after school when she dashed across Main Street to get to her parents and ran in front of a grain truck. Her body had indeed rested in the morgue while her parents arranged for services back home in Indiana. Her name was Lizzie. Bobby's birthday was in October, and she usually got cards or gifts from her co One year, Bobby walked home on her birthday with a pretty flower arrangement that included a helium balloon. As Halloween approached... Bobby threw out the wilted flowers, but kept the balloon, and before leaving for work that Halloween, before leaving for work that Halloween, she moved the most deflated balloon back into her bedroom. Down the hall from her kitchen so it would be out of the way if anyone stopped by for trick-or-treat later. Work went well that day. Bobby decorated some Halloween cupcakes as a treat for her residence and walked home that night looking forward to passing out candy for some of the neighbor's kids. She was relaxing in her recliner when she heard a weird noise from her kitchen. Thwop, 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 bwop. Upon investigating, she found her birthday balloon, which was so deflated that when she left it earlier, it floated only a few inches from the floor bouncing merrily along the blades of her ceiling. What the heck, Bobby says, as she pulled the balloon down from the ceiling and let it drift to the kitchen table. She headed back to her recliner. The balloon followed, looking to all the world as if a child were carrying it. Well, long story short, Bobby spent that Halloween giving out candy to some of the neighborhood children, trying not to jump every time the balloon bounced up to catch in the ceiling fan, and telling ghostly Lizzie that she needed to go home and leave her alone the next day she took the balloon and lizzie apparently back to the nursing home basement and for as long as the balloon still had air it would sometimes bump along the ceiling down the hallway and past the freight elevator what a great story <laughs> and i love the fact that there's the caveat that it's true I can't imagine how terrifying that must have been for poor Bobby. Here is another submission. This one comes from Leah Shaber, an implementation analyst, and it also coincidentally comes from her son, Caleb Shaber. She mentioned in her submission that her son wrote this story, so it is a work of fiction, but I'm sure it is going to terrify us all. So, here is a story written by Caleb Shaber. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Harris, Allow me to properly introduce myself. My name is Oliver D. Taylor, and I have been dead for over 123 years. I can imagine your shock right now at receiving a letter from the spirit that has been haunting you for the last six months, but I assure you this is not a practical joke of some kind. I am the one who's been slamming your cabinets at night. I'm the one who you hear stomping around upstairs when no one else is home. And I do confess, I'm the one who knocked that gaudy vase off of your table and broke it. But I don't write this letter to reveal my presence to you or to make friends. I write this letter to warn you. At first, I wished only to get you to move out of my ancestral home and let me rest in peace. But apparently, you are a stubborn and supernaturally fascinated couple. It was after you held that seance that things went awry. You thought you had made contact with me but the thing you talked to that night was something much older, much hungrier. It is the one responsible for the tar-like liquid leaking through the cracks in the basement floor. It is the thing that makes the air vents reek of ammonia and rot, and it is the reason you've been having unrelenting nightmares for the last few weeks. Quite frankly, Mr. and Mrs. Harris, I have no idea what it was that you awoke. Whatever it is, it is far older than myself or the house we all share with it. What I do know is that it has taken up fascination with you two. I can feel its presence permeate the house whenever you leave, searching for you. This letter is as much of a plea as it is a warning. Leave this place as soon as you can. Leave it to rot and crumble, to dust. Leave the ghosts within to rest in peace and leave that thing that dwells beneath the foundations to starve. Sincerely, Oliver D. Taylor. What a creative story. Uh, I love the thought of uh, a ghost writing a letter. I haven't really seen that as a take before, so uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Leah and Caleb. I have one final submission to share from this year, and this is, in a, this is not necessarily a story, but it's just something fun that one of our associates decided to, to share about him and his wife. So this comes from Rich Hibner, a senior data scientist, and here's what he has to say. Not necessarily a scary story, but something rather unique and cool about Halloween. My wife and I absolutely love Halloween and the entire month of October. Because of our love for this month and our love for each other and our love for all things zombies, we were actually married as zombies in Providence, Rhode Island. That is so fun. I love that. He also sent a link to a picture of them dressed as zombies, so I will absolutely include that link in the description for this episode, so make sure you check that out when you have a free minute because it's super fun. So that takes care of all of our submitted stories for 2022, but we've been doing this for three years now, and I have a few stories I would like to share as throwbacks. These are some of my favorites from previous episodes, and I guarantee you, You'll think twice about sleeping tonight because some of these are super scary. So, our first one comes from Jacqueline Day, Director of Marketing Strategy and Demand Gen. All right, here's her story. About eight years ago, I was convinced my house was haunted. My daughter was a baby at the time, and at first, I chalked it up to sleep deprivation. I thought my mind was playing tricks on me, but the occurrences got more creepy and more blatant. The activity seemed to follow me specifically and happened in my room in the middle of the night. The ceiling fan would turn on or off by itself, mostly around 2 or 3 a.m., which, coincidentally, they say that 3 a.m. is the time that the veil between this world and the next world is the thinnest, so this doesn't surprise me that it happened around that time. Anyway, back to the story. I woke up multiple times to the overhead light on at 3 a.m., There were a few occasions where I was sitting on the bed reading or just falling asleep or in a deep sleep and the blackout roller shades on the windows would violently roll up and snap against the top of the window by themselves. There were lots of explanations for this, I told myself. Electrical problems. Faulty shades. It's all in your head. You're a tired working mother. Meanwhile, my dog sat at the end of the bed and growled or barked at nothing at 2 a.m just staring into the black empty space of wall night after night. They do say the animals are much more spiritually sensitive to those kinds of things. So, again, not surprised to hear that little detail. A few months of this went by and I began to talk to whatever it was in my head. I have a baby here. Please be kind. Don't scare us. The activity slowed and then stopped. I forgot about it mostly. One early morning, I was washing dishes in the sink with the baby monitor propped up on the bar counter ledge at eye level where I could keep an eye on it, per usual. Above the noise of the dishes and the water, I saw the red light flash indicating it was picking up noise. I turned off the water and heard my daughter crying loudly over the monitor. I sighed and wiped my hands. I had been enjoying the quiet hours. I walked up the stairs, opened the door to her room, and my body froze, my heart seizing. She wasn't there. She had gone to her grandmother's that morning. In my sleep-deprived haze, I had forgotten, my body just responding, moving mechanically and automatically to the cues over the monitor. I frantically turned off the baby monitor and all the receivers, removing the batteries, too. It was a challenge, I thought, a reminder that whatever had been happening could happen again. After that incident, the activity stopped once more, but I still remember the red blinking of the monitor and the sound of my daughter crying, a sound I recognized and responded to viscerally and immediately, and how malevolent it seemed only a few seconds later. Absolutely terrifying. Jacqueline, I don't know how you experienced that on your own (laughs) and continued to stay in your house, but kudos to you. Okay, here is another throwback story uh, from a couple of years ago. This one comes from Brenda Whitman, senior technical solutions engineer, and this is another one that will make you think, and it will definitely scare you a little bit. In my senior year of college, I was living in an off-campus apartment. The central heat and air in the apartment was always on the fritz. I called a maintenance man about the heat being out again, and they replied they would have someone work on it. For the next few days, I had horrible headaches, was achy, and just assumed it was a cold. I would feel better once I was in class or at work. After calling maintenance again because the fan was not blowing, they showed up and repaired the fan, which had barely been blowing for the last week. That night, my roommate and I were both feeling as if we had flu symptoms. We took some over-the-counter medication and went to bed. I started dreaming of a childhood playmate I had not seen since I was five when her family moved away. She had died at the age of 18 from carbon monoxide poisoning. You may see where this is going already, but let's get back into the story. In my dream, she was saying, You have to get out of there now. You're being poisoned. I woke up with a headache that was unimaginable and horrible stomach pain. I decided to take some more over-the-counter medication, walked past the central heat and air unit in the, walked past the heat and central air unit, and that was the last thing I remembered until I woke up with my roommate laying next to me. Her room was on the other side of the apartment, but she had heard me fall, and she went to see what was wrong, but fainted when she was near the unit as well. I remembered the dream and said, it's carbon monoxide, we have to get outside. It was a struggle to unlock the door in the state of mental confusion I was in, but somehow was able to do it. I called 911 and the operator told me not to go back in. Once the ambulance arrived, they took us to the hospital where the doctor said we would have died within an hour at the current levels of carbon monoxide in our body. The investigators said that we both passed out near the unit because the levels were so high. Once the heat and air kicked off and the fan stopped blowing, The oxygen levels returned to a level high enough for us to regain consciousness. The unit had a crack in the chamber that was allowing it to leak carbon monoxide, which was why we were ill, but since the fan wasn't working, the levels were low. Once the fan was repaired, the levels were high enough to be fatal. To this day, I don't know how to explain that dream. I had no idea it was carbon monoxide that was causing my illness, And I had not thought of that person in years. Absolutely chilling, but you know, Brenda, we're so thankful that you are okay and that you and your roommate made it out of that situation alive. So whatever happened, somebody was looking out for you there. Here's our last throwback story. Uh, I think this one was from last year, if I remember correctly, but this comes from Brandy Williams, who is a product manager. When I was in high school, my best friend and I often babysat together. One day we were called to the home of a single mother of two children, a boy and a girl ages six and eight. They lived in the garden-level apartment of an old colonial house on the south side of Lincoln. It was still daylight when we arrived, and Mom was supposed to be home by midnight. We had been at the lake earlier that day, so I decided to take a shower and clean up. While I was in the shower, the lights turned off. Now, these were the old style light switches where you actually have to push a button to turn the light on and another button to turn it off. I thought my friend was trying to scare me, so I got out of the shower to yell at her and I realized the door was locked from the inside. I pushed the button back on, thinking it was just a short in the wiring or something. It was an old house after all. When I finished the bathroom, I opened the door to find a folding table up against it. This table had been in the kitchen and was cluttered with all kinds of stuff like coffee cans and cereal boxes and other storage containers of food. Now, it was folded up and against the bathroom door. All the stuff from the table was on the counter in three very neat, very high stacks. Again, I thought my friend or the kids were playing tricks on me, so when I went into the living room and yelled at them, they looked surprised and shocked. They swear they never moved the table and were just as confused as me. That's when the little girl explained to us that stuff moved around all the time. there. Talk about goosebumps. No kidding. Jeez. After we got the kids to bed, we were watching TV in the living room with the lights out. Suddenly, a glass hurricane lamp that was sitting on the mantle of the fireplace crashed to the floor beside us. That sealed the deal for us. When mom came home, we explained all the weird things that happened that day. She admitted she'd also experienced stuff moving or disappearing, hearing voices, and even smelling old perfume or cologne in the apartment. She paid us, we thanked her, and told her we'd be happy to babysit for her again as soon as she moved to a new place. Uh, definitely have to agree with you there, Brandy. I would not have gone back to that house if that happened to me. So, <laughs> very, very smart of the two of you. Well, I... Thank you all so much for submitting your scary stories. I love this episode. It is my favorite episode. I love hearing all of the different stories and the different things that you do around Halloween time or just the fun things that you like to share, like the picture of the zombie wedding. So thank you all so much for contributing. Always look forward to it. And thank you all so much for listening as well. Uh, This has been a delight and I hope you look forward to this episode as much as I do throughout the course of the year. It's just so much fun to read everything and hear everything from people. So thank you all so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.